In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Lord saith, My house is a house of prayer. On this Sunday, on which our Lord expels the money changes from the temple and reminds us of the true meaning why we are here, why we ever go into God's house, we go there to speak to God. And this Sunday, as it does sometimes, falls within what might be called an octave of prayer. On Thursday, we had the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene, and one week later, this coming Thursday, we will have the Feast of St. Martha. The Church has always seen an intimate link between the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene and that of her sister Martha, which is why she has them form an octave, an octave of harmony between the active and contemplative life. On the Feast of St. Martha, we have this short gospel. It came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain town, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who, sitting also at the Lord's feet, heard his word. But Martha was much busy about serving, who stood and said, Lord, hast thou no care that my sister hath left me alone to serve? Speak to her, therefore, that she help me. And the Lord answering said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary hath chosen the best part, which shall not be taken away from her. The mind of the Church has always been that this short passage of the Gospel should be the subject of our meditation throughout these summer months. Amazingly, this used to be the Gospel even for the Feast of the Assumption on August 15th. What could this Gospel possibly have to do with the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary? The key is this word for town. The word is castellum. And the Latin. So it says that our Lord went into a certain castellum, similar to French word chateau. He went into a certain castle, as it were. And as our fathers interpreted, this castle, which the Son of God entered, was none other than the Holy Mother of God herself. And the life of Mary most holy contains both lives represented by Martha and Mary Magdalene, the active and the contemplative. It is this contemplative life which our Lord refers to today, or in this gospel which I just read to you, as the best part. What is this best part? It is what St. Luke has been telling us about from the beginning of his gospel that part chosen by the Blessed Virgin Mary, though indeed she led an active life as a wife and mother, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Martha is a great saint, and we hear from St. John just how heroic her faith was when her brother Lazarus died. 
What our Lord says to her cannot be used as an excuse for avoiding work. If you've ever visited a strict contemplative monastery, you know that monks and nuns devote plenty of their day to table service and manual labor. But the best part of their day is reserved for intimate conversation with God. And this part indeed must not be taken away from them, nor should it be taken away from us. St. Francis de Sales has Martha and Mary in mind when he writes, We have two principal exercises of our love towards God, the one affective, the other effective, or St. Bernard calls it active. By the one, we affect or love God and what he loves. By the other, we serve God and do what he ordains. That joins us to God's goodness. This makes us execute his will. The one fills us with complacency, benevolence, yearnings, desires, aspirations, and spiritual ardor, causing us to practice the sacred infusions and minglings of our spirit with God's. The other establishes us in us the solid resolution, constancy of heart, and inviolable obedience, which is required in order to carry out the ordinances of the divine will, to suffer, accept, approve, and embrace all that comes from his good pleasure. The one makes us pleased in God, the other makes us please God. By the one we conceive, by the other we bring forth. By the one we place God upon our heart as a standard of love, around which all our affections are ranged. By the other we place him upon our arm as a sword of love, whereby we effect all the exploits of virtue. The words I have just quoted are taken from St. Francis's treatise on the love of God. One pious biographer of this saint writes that this book is written more for angels than for men. I don't think St. Francis would appreciate this compliment. St. Francis did not waste his time writing books for angels. Angels already possess the beatific vision. No, this book is written for us, as difficult as it is. It is about loving God, or rather allowing God's love to flow through us. And our whole spiritual life is nothing other than this. If you are daunted when you hear terms like mystical theology, and suppose that such things are only for experts, you should take heart when our saint tells us that mystical theology is nothing other than prayer. What then is prayer? Our great patron tells us. We take not here the word prayer, he says, only for petition or demanding some good. But, as St. Bonaventure says, it comprehends all the acts of contemplation. St. Gregory Nazianzen says prayer is a conference or conversation of the soul with God. 
St. Chrysostom says prayer is discursing, discoursing with the divine majesty. Finally, St. Augustine, St. Damascene, the term prayer is an ascent, a raising of the soul to God. And if prayer is such a conversation of the soul with God, by it we speak to God and he speaks to us. We aspire to him and breathe in him and he reciprocally inspires us and breathes upon us. If you come away from this brief reflection this morning with one resolution, it should be to begin to practice mental prayer. St. Teresa of Avila reminds us that all prayer must be mental prayer. We can pronounce as many words in prayer as we like, but if the mind and the heart do not follow, our words will not rise up. The cleric is warned that if he utters many words of prayer which he must recite in the divine office, Vespers, Compline, and so on, without first preparing himself and considering what he is about to speak to his master, he is only tempting God. That is why before beginning to recite his divine office, the priest says a preparatory prayer. Enlighten my understanding, inflame my affections, so that I may recite this office worthily, with attention, and with devotion. If we practice mental prayer every day, all of our prayers will begin to take on new strength. The program which St. Francis de Sales outlines for us in the introduction to the devout life is the perfect place to start. Even if you can only spare a quarter of an hour to begin with, this is a great start. And one day you will work up to half an hour, the standard time for priests and religious to practice mental prayer. And if you stick with this practice, you will find that the hours of your day will multiply and you will reach new heights in all your endeavors. And you will be able to say all your other prayers well, remembering these three important steps for all prayer. To pray our ordinary prayers well, that is our vocal prayers, prayers where we use our speech, we must always pay attention to three things. First, we pay attention, as St. Thomas tells us, ad verbum, to the words themselves. That is, we must pronounce the words carefully with our hands, our whole body, properly positioned for prayer. If we do at least this, we have truly said a prayer, though we must go far beyond. We must move on then ad sensum, to the sense, making the mental effort to consider what the words mean. Finally, though, and most importantly, we must consider ad deum. We must remember that we are not considering only the words themselves, nor only their meaning, but to whom they are addressed so that the person who is listening to our very every word, namely God Almighty, must be our primary consideration. 
This last step of prayer can exist all on its own, and that's what mental prayer is all about. It doesn't need the preceding ones. Without words, we can simply look upon our adorable Savior in our mind's eye, even if sometimes we are aided by things in church, especially when we come to adoration and look upon our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, or even when he is not exposed on the altar, simply make a visit to church during the day and look out to the lamp and the tabernacle and simply rejoice in being in his presence. This house is to be a house of prayer for all of you, where you draw all your strength to live every moment of your week in the presence of God. And if you pray as you ought, you shall not be lost, for God will never refuse a soul who desires his friendship. And prayer is our friendship with God. Saints Martha and Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Thank you.